Welcome to the Judaism From Within podcast. I'm Simi Lerner. The new series that we're opening with in this podcast is going through Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch's work that was Chorev, where he goes through the mitzvahs in the Torah, the commandments, the law of the Jewish people, and gives reasons and gives explanations. It starts off very abstract, but then that abstraction gets nailed down and gets reduced to the lived life of the Jewish people. Other commentators will open up with the existence of God. Rav Hirsch takes a radically different approach, and I want each episode to be able to be a standalone concept. And of course, the beginning, when we start with foundational ideas that reach deep into our subconscious, but also deep within the religious structure of Judaism, they're going to be slightly more abstract but hopefully we can discuss and describe how they emerge in life as lived action. The beauty and the advantage of understanding a deeper substructure to your religious worldview is that things can then be slotted in in appropriate places. You have a framework to work with. That helps us along the journey of the abstract concepts because they really are the foundational ideas that everything else is built on. So how does Rav Hirsch open up Kharev? He opens up Kharev with an invitation. Not so much an invitation by him, an invitation he feels the Torah is offering us. And his first commandment, his first mitzvah, to adopt noble purpose. The language in the Hebrew is kabolas ol malchushamayim, to receive actively the yoke of heaven. And the translation here I think is quite good especially when we go through Hirsch's explanation of this mitzvah, we are asked to adopt a responsibility, a burden, if you will. But burden has such a negative connotation. But any responsibility or any purpose is by definition a burden, metaphorically. For heaven, well, that doesn't mean the stratosphere. It means the most high, the most noble. That is the calling that Rav Hirsch opens up Chorev, opens up that book where he is going to go through the reasons for the mitzvahs, both the symbolic but also the philosophical foundations that everything grows from in this work. But the orientating principle, or the principle that we will view everything from, is that this is an invitation. We are asked to freely accept that this is going to be the most noble responsibility, and what follows forth will be in that light. So, we've got the introduction out of the way. Now, there's always a temptation to get bogged down in history, motivations, categories, why Rav Hirsch wrote this. But let's not do that, because we won't start. I want to start at the very beginning. The sovereignty of God, as Rav Hirsch calls it. What is he telling us here? This is a first mitzvah for Rav Hirsch, and it really does orientate everything that goes forward, especially at the beginning, where he goes through his category that's known as Tyrus. He has six categories. The first one is Tyrus, which are principles that are understood by the mind, but this is key, manifest themselves in action. They are interesting, not because of their philosophical principles or the cognitive state of your brain, but primarily, but not exclusively, their transformative power. How they reveal themselves in your life. Rav Hirsch tells us that we open up with God. Well, that's how everybody would open up a book on the Torah, isn't it? But Rav Hirsch's perspective on this point is very key. 
it's not the classic dogmatic answer of there is a god, now believe, that you're so used to hearing from religious thinkers. The way Rav Hirsch approaches this first principle is revolutionary. He tells us in Judaism we are not asked to believe in God, dot dot dot, end of conversation. He says, well, what does that mean to you? What does the term God, how you came to this belief in God, is kind of not interesting. The question is, what does it make you do? How is it revealed in your life? An interesting way of maybe giving an image to this is I was sitting in a university setting last year or the year before, I believe in Durham University, and I was having a conversation with some students. And one of them said, oh, don't worry, Rabbi, I believe in God. And I said, well, I, to be honest with you, that isn't actually that interesting. Not that I don't care about what you think or believe in, but from a Jewish standpoint, the fact that you might believe in a first cause to the universe or some sort of expansive consciousness that makes up all of being, religiously isn't that interesting. The source of this misconception that this student was coming from was that the point of religion is to get people to believe in God. Almost like the more God-believing people out there, the better. But from a Jewish standpoint, or the way Rav Hirsch portrays Judaism, that that really isn't the point. What you mean by the term God is as fundamental as whether you believe in it or not. I think perhaps, and why I'm starting to think it probably was Durham, because it has a heavy Christian influence, and a very active Christian community, and in Christianity, faith is a value in of itself. In Judaism, that is not the case. What does it make you do? How does it move you? How do you act in the world differently with this principle? Rav Hirsch uses a beautiful metaphor of a flower. Life lived should be a flower of knowledge. Meaning, your lived experience, how you walk through the world, should be the blossom of your root, which is your knowledge. What grows forth from your knowledge should be your life lived. Meaning, I care what sprouts forth from it. I don't want roots. I want what grows from the flower. A person may have wonderful philosophical principles embedded in their brain, but from a Jewish standpoint, if I don't see that manifest itself, that knowledge is barren. A flower is key here. The metaphor of a flower isn't incidental. A flower grows. A flower blossoms. It's beautiful. It carries within it the seed to the next generation. The metaphor goes on and on and on and on. But it's a beautiful metaphor here because your concept of God, if it isn't transformative, then it's not Jewish. So we've spoken what it isn't. It's not a cognitive state of the brain. It might be that as well, but that's only half the story. And this is where Hirsch takes us to our next stage. If you walk through the world like there is a God, akin to a personality that is your God, not that there is God, but there is a God that calls upon you as an individual, that you look at the world as being a gift. You look at the floor in which you walk as being hallowed space. You look at other people as being children of God. You look at the creatures in the world worthy of your justice and your care. Once again, the notion of purpose becomes paramount here. Do you look at yourself as an extension of God's purpose in the world? 
But then we have to say, well, what do we mean by God's purpose? These all spring forth from a certain lens that you can choose to wear. These are the lenses Rav Hirsch is asking us to adopt. And the word Kabbalah is active. You have to do it. You have to choose it. Imagery here, once again, is going to be key, because I want to really bring out that I don't mean obedience in the blind sense of the word. What we mean by God orientates us towards the obligation to listen. I'll give a good example to this. I was sitting with a relative of mine, and I was discussing with him why he does what he does. So I said, okay, why, why do you do the Jewish things? And he said, because God said so. So I was like, okay, so what is it about God that makes you obligated? Now, I wanted to be key here with him. I said, not that God is super powerful, so you'll listen to him or he'll hit you, because then well, God's some sort of divine dictator. By dint of his power, you better listen to him. But we don't really mean that when we say obligated. Obligated has a certain, you know, a certain moral twang to it. I'm obligated to give back what I borrowed. I'm obligated to repay my debts. When I make a promise to someone or a commitment, I have developed a moral relationship. We feel we have that with God. So what is it about God? This is where Rav Hirsch's lenses become key, because what the Jewish tradition means by God is going to be key on how that moral relationship gets developed. So I continued this discussion with this relative, and we drew out his reasons. Now, it's not that it's super profound, but it gets drawn out, and its beauty and its profundity becomes evident. Through our discussion of, well, what is it about God? Well, God, from the Jewish standpoint, is a God of love. He brought the universe into being because of chesed. We say the world is built off a foundation of loving kindness. Ah, so God wants what is good for you. God wants what is good for your community. God wants what is good for these ever-expanding concentric circles of the universe, in which case this mission, this duty, this moral responsibility, or as we said at the beginning, this most high purpose, the most noble purpose, is for the good of existence, which is why we're on this journey. This is how the Torah presents itself. And from Rav Hirsch's standpoint, it is key to take the Torah how it wants to be understood. What I mean by that is that the Jewish tradition and the Torah written and oral come together to describe to us what we mean by God. A God who cares about how we develop ourselves freely to our full potential with love and intent called upon Abraham to become a blessing to the world, called upon the Jewish people, your ancestors, to be a beacon to the world. This is how the Torah presents itself. But if you don't look at the Torah how it presents itself, you're never going to truly be able to appreciate its goals. You're never going to be, be able to appreciate what it considers key. And this is how Rav Hirsch opens up Choref. There is a specific concept of God that is being called to us, there is a specific category of goals, of intentions, of purposes that the Torah has at its core. This is the notion of being makabal ol malchoshamayim, to accepting or adopting this most noble purpose. So to recap where we're standing, we spoke about the idea of adopting noble purpose. And that is the opening to Chorev. The Rav Hirsch says we are being invited to adopt this goal, to adopt these glasses, of how we're going to look at the rest of the Torah. But we have to do it from within itself. We have to look at Judaism as it 
portrays God, as it portrays its values and goals. But they have to manifest themselves in action. The principles that we have or that we adopt, be it the unity of God, be it belief in God itself, be it revelation, be it fear of God, as we will go through in the future, are interesting, but not purely from their philosophical standpoint or their concept of a principle of belief. No. They are interesting in how they manifest themselves in your life, how you live them. Your lived life, your action in the world, should be a flower of your knowledge. It should grow forth beautifully. This might be for you a goal that you've accepted. This might be a purpose, a responsibility that you have adopted. And for others, this might not be a goal you wish to adopt. But a prerequisite for going on this journey is to look at Judaism as it chooses to portray itself. Let us not, on this journey, look at Judaism from a historical standpoint, but look at Judaism as it claims to be. It claims to be the word of God to a people with a mission to the world. That is its standing. Let us look at the reasons for the commandments, the reasons for the principles within Judaism, and put on those lenses. Even if we haven't adopted the goal, let us all, together, adopt the lenses.